As a pastor, part of my job is to gauge the spiritual pulse of our people. But sometimes the results, they are mind-boggling. In a recent nationwide survey, three out of four Americans believe in heaven, but only one out of three believes in hell. Honestly, those stats, they disturb me. I mean, it, it's almost trendy to put the hard sell on heaven, but the soft sell on hell. I mean, you know, it, it's trendy to, to preach on angels and miracles and streets of gold, but everlasting torment, that's not so trendy. The Bible says that people, all people, are ionion, a Greek word meaning eternal. It means forever, in one place or the other. Let's be frank, I know you're curious, but no one talks about it. But, but Jesus did talk about it. He talked about eternity often, so maybe we should too. I'm Ryan Kibbe, Senior Pastor of Life Church, and I firmly believe this message can alter your life forever. So I made that message, and it was interesting. I did this. I didn't tell anybody I was going to do this, but I, I monitored the amount of hits that that web, that, that particular video got. I wanted to see how many responses. And just as I had envisioned, no one hardly wanted to touch that sucker with a 10-foot pole. No one wanted to comment on it. No one wanted to be seen commenting on it. And my question to you right off the bat is, why? A lot of silence in here. And the reason I did that, I did that on purpose and I showed it again because there's something cognitively inside of us that does not want to talk about the word or even say the word hell. Or Ryan, don't scare the hell out of me because, right? I mean, it's almost like when I grew up in, a, in, in, in as a child that... If you uttered the name hell, it, it, it was almost a sin. You, like you could not. Is anybody tracking with me with this? Now, I just want you to know that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news. Hell is not good news. Uh, the sovereign Lord has, has empowered me to preach the good news. And the good news is Jesus. And it's always about Jesus. But then I began to study the master. And the master talked about this little place called so I figured if he did, we can too. Thank you. And you know, uh, it's not, it, like I said, it's not trendy. It's not something that, ooh, I get excited about. And by the way, when you're trying to attract people to come to church, the church consultants would tell you, Kibby, for Pete's sake, don't put a trailer out there saying, hey, let's talk about hell. Because hell sucks. And frankly, it sucks to preach about hell. But you know what? It's a part of my job. And here's the problem. For the last 100 years, very few preachers had the guts to preach about hell. Well, I think that's a bunch of bunk. And, and here's the reality is, it's not what the driving force of our ministry is. It's not what we emphasize, but it is something that we must. We have every responsibility to address, and that is the subject of hell. Now, this message is called Heaven and Hell, and, and obviously the, the title of the series is Ionion, but Heaven and Hell, I want it just for today's purposes, uh, and, and here's the reason why, I want to talk about heaven and hell, but I'm going to emphasize more about the doctrine of hell because hell has been in the news lately. Anybody know that? In fact, there's been a systematic effort uh, to, it's, it's trendy to just say, well, you know, hell's kind of overrated. 
Uh, despite the fact that we see horror movie after horror movie, I mean, all right, let me digress. I, anybody ever, now maybe I shouldn't ask for hands of this, but when I was a kid, my dad was a pastor, and he still let me watch this movie called Hellraiser. Anybody remember that movie? My gosh, that thing was awful. I mean, it just, I mean, nightmare. I mean, and you know, my dad probably would say he made a wise choice on that. I don't even, maybe he didn't even know. I need to ask him on that. But the point being is that was an awful movie. Here's the question. Where do people get these ideas? These horror movie makers. Any thoughts on maybe where they get those demonic ideas from? Keyword being demonic. And so uh, it's not creativity, but there's something intrinsic inside of us that says, you know, there's something to hell, but I don't know what. And why is it that churches want to just say to hell with hell? And I, and I figured this out. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, it's we don't want to face the dire truth of certain consequences. I mean, we all want justice, right? But we don't want to pay for that justice. And that's going to be the focal point. Uh, it, at the end of this message, if I have not exalted and lifted up our risen Lord, if I have not emphasized the cross, if I have not uh, lifted up Jesus in the context of this message, then I have failed to preach this pro message properly on the doctrine of hell. Okay? Now, I want to start off with some statistics because I, I think it is interesting. Um, first and foremost, 75% 75 of Americans believe in the existence of heaven. So 75% says, yeah, I believe in heaven. Only 33% believe in the literal, physical existence of hell. Now, here's the, here's the biggest part. In that survey, 90-something percent said that believe in heaven, believe that they would go to heaven. Only a half a percent said that they believe they would go to hell. Now, there's a lot of quiet people in here. Uh, now, the question is, if there are two places to go, Here's the, the ultimate question, where am I going? And better yet, here's the other question, how do I get where I need to go? And if hell exists, do I really want to go there? And how bad could it be? Here's the thing, is on the one hand, I was struggling on how to present this. I mean, I looked, let me just tell you, I looked through every video, I went through YouTube, I looked at every scary thing I could possibly imagine. I've seen some churches do it. I thought, man, I'll, I'll come up with creative ways to, to show the demonic and I will tell you this, at the end of the day, in my search of that, I refuse to do that, and here's why. Because Jesus needs to be the exaltation and the focal point of the message. I don't want to scare the hell out of you, but I want you to know that hell is existing and it's real. Does that make sense? So how do I begin that process? So I, I thought, okay, I'm going to just start off with a little story. In fact, I need some visual representation. I need three people. I wasn't going to do this, but I've changed my mind. The Lord changed. I need three people up here. Hope you can be one of them. I need two more. I need two more. Okay. Okay. I want you to stand right there, Hope. And when I tell you, I want you to say, no, nope, you could stand right over here. And then you can face over here. I need you two over here. Okay. I'm going to put you, everybody play pretend like they're in a boat. You're in a boat. You're facing this way. And I just want you to do this until I say stop. Both of you, just kind of like you're rowing. How do you row? How, just, you know, like you're rowing your boat, okay? You're rowing your boat. Now, uh, Jeremy and Eric here, uh, say hi, Eric. Hi, Jeremy. They're swimming on this boat, right? Now, here's the thing. Play like this is an instruction manual. 
that I'm going to give them. And they're out on a relaxing water. They're on this big river. They're rowing down the river. Everything's great. Life's great. They probably have a few adult beverages there. They're starting to drink a little bit too much. Shame on you, Eric. Here's the map, okay? I want you to know that in this, this map here, as you continue going down a river, I know you're going to get an arm workout. As you're going down this river, you're rowing, you're rowing, you're rowing. You're feeling pretty good, and you're just having great conversation. But you remember it suddenly that uh, Pastor Ryan said, yeah, in this map, there is a waterfall at the end, okay? Now, I'm going to put this in a safe place here, okay? I'm just going to kind of tuck this. I, can't, I don't want to touch you, actually. I'm just going <laughs> to put that right there, okay? There's your map, Jeremy. Remember that. Okay, now they're cruising down the long, and all of a sudden, now turn and over, look at Hope. I want you to say, turn or burn. Yeah, say turn or burn. Turn or burn. With, with enthusiasm, turn or burn. Turn or burn. Turn or perish. Turn or perish. Okay, now, when I'm over here, and I'm a little in, <laughs> intoxicated, I have a method to my madness, okay? So she's, she's saying this. Now, they hear that, but they keep rowing because they're disregarding that. Because you know what? Quite frankly... Can you say that again? No, real loud. Turner Parish. No one wants to hear that. Come on. That's not right. I mean, they're just enjoying life right there. That's not the right thing to say. In fact, you know, consultants would say that you shouldn't do that. They're not going to hear you on this boat. Okay, so they're rowing. They're rowing. Okay, now, next thing you know, I've got a little sign here, and it says, waterfall ahead. Okay, are you seeing this? Well, they're kind of playing, you know, they're just going down. They're going down. Next thing you know, a chopper comes overhead and they say, you know, there's a waterfall ahead, but they, they're really enjoying now. In fact, they've got like 10 other boats that are doing the same thing, going down the waterfall. Yep, having another beverage. <laughs> Intoxicated with life, loving it, loving it, having a great time. And then all of a sudden, Jeremy gets a wild hair and he says, a thought comes. He doesn't know, wow, maybe it's on his 15th Budweiser. He doesn't know. But all of a sudden, he's, he's there and he's thinking, didn't Pastor Ryan in the midst of that conversation, didn't he say something about a waterfall? And he checks. Check that thing. You may stop rowing now. Okay. <laughs> you may stop. Eric, you may keep going. Okay. Now, you, you discover there's a map and all of a sudden, I mean, gosh, didn't, let me whisper it in his ear. Something internal just says that, and he stops, stop, you keep going. So you jump out of the boat, and you think, I'm just going to explore the land. You come over to the land, here's the land, and all of a sudden you see 20 or 30 other people walking in this direction, and they're all saying to you, oh, thank heavens, you got out of that. That waterfall's right ahead. And you're walking, walking together, and you're saying, now how do we communicate that? Well, maybe the turn or burn approach isn't the proper way, especially since it's a waterfall, because I don't think you can burn at the end of a waterfall. Maybe you could, but more so you would drown, correct? So she goes over. How do we get them to know this? What's the most effective approach? Because your buddy Eric right there, he's about ready to go down that waterfall because it exists. Any thoughts? Hey, Eric, you're going to want to come over here. This is way better than rolling. Okay. (laughs) So so here, Eric's... (laughs) By the way, just truth in advertising, none of these people had no idea I was going to do this. In fact, about an hour before preaching this, it came to my mind, and I almost didn't do it. So I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to illustrate something here. So you keep rowing, okay? Now, I'm working on you. I'm sitting here. I'm saying, Eric, are you going backwards now? That's good. Conviction. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah, keep going. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Exit the boat. All right. 
Great actors. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll give you 20 bucks later, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, so uh, a little bit of an illustration there, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about hell. Hell is real, okay? I'm going to prove that scripturally. We're going to, part of what I wanted to do today is to take you through this Greek word ionion because it's a pivotal thing, and, and I thought maybe I empower you when you get in conversation because these questions do happen. Everybody has them. And I would like to arm you, give you opportunity to equip you that if you come across these arguments, you know, you're, you're armed to, to say, no, wait a minute, because th- this is an issue. And yes, hell does exist. Because I'm, if I'm the, here's the thing, if I'm the devil, the greatest trick that I can ever play on humankind is to play pretend that, and to tell everybody that I don't exist. That's the first thing. In fact, there was a movie line, the greatest trick that never ever pulled was to tell the people that he didn't exist. Here's the second greatest trick. If I'm the devil and I know I'm going to the lake of fire, I certainly don't want you to know about the lake of fire and I'm going to do everything in my power to tell you that hell doesn't exist either. And the worst part is, is that we're going to use pulpits to be the mouthpiece of the enemy. And what a shame is that? What a shame. So on the one hand, I don't, want to, I don't want to go off on this tangent about hell, but on the other hand, I have a responsibility to be practical and teach you about the components of hell and how bad it will be, and it will be bad. So it is real. But, you know, one of the misconceptions is, is that, uh, and one of them that I had back in my drunken days, well, <laughs> drink up, be merry for tomorrow I die, and if I'm going to hell, it's just going to be one big party, and, you know, you know, if I'm going there, maybe you'll come and join me. Well, that's a lie too. It's not going to be that way. In fact, it's not going to be a party and we're certainly not going to be kingpins in hell. And in fact, what drives the the focus of every ministry of Christ that people that care deeply for people is that you want to be that person over there finding any, by any means necessary, you want them off that boat. You do not want them to go over that waterfall. Waterfall, And so what the church has been divided over for years is how do I get from here to here and how do I get them from over there to here and what's the most effective way? I mean, in my, my, my thought is I'm going to swim right over there and do everything I can. That's ministry. But what if they don't like me? Loving someone is being willing to die to yourself to tell them the truth. Loving them enough to tell them the truth about what is going on. Now, hell is real, but it's also... Now, there's another thing I'm going to address in this message, a postmortem place of repentance. Uh, first of all, that is unbiblical. You, there is no second chance. One shot. This is it. And I'll explain that in a minute. And the third part is hell isn't theoretical. Many of you have lived lives, and, and, and you've heard my story too, have lived lives of hell here. You say, well, hell, I'm having hell here. I understand that. But you have not even begun to comprehend what faces the person who does not put their eternal destiny in the loving hands of Jesus Christ. And part of our mission is to equip people to know the grace of Jesus in the midst of this fallen, broken, beat up, tough world that we live in. And I understand many of you face some certain, certain days it feels like hell, and, but it's not a theoretical place. When we're talking about this doctrine, we're talking about a physical reality that the, that the Bible says is there. So I want to put some scriptures up, what the Bible says on hell. Now, this isn't all that it says, but it's part of what it says. It says, uh, prepared for Satan and his demons. And I put some scriptural references up there. 
that you can go back later. I didn't, I, just for time purposes, I couldn't go through all of them. But the Bible says that that was the original intent of hell, was for Satan and his demons. Now, it says because of our sin, because of what, what uh, Adam's high treason in the garden, and because we, are all, we all fall short of the glory and the grace of God, we all sin, God's justice demanded that there be a payment for that sin. And he, uh, hell was a place that was created, not for people, but for demons. Unfortunately, as we begin to study this, is that there will be people in hell. Uh, so it says that in Revelation 20. There's more scriptures to document that, but I, these are the ones I want to target. Uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 13, 42. I mean, can you imagine that? I can't. I don't, I, I tried, I've looked at all the horror movies. I've looked at a lot of the, the, the videos online on YouTube of saying how awful it was. And even as awful as some of those videos are, think of that uh, multiplied a hundred times. Think of the worst movie you've ever seen. Eternal suffering and torment, Revelation 14, 10, and 11. These are some of the scriptures. And then Jesus gives us a picture that I'm not going to go to, but in, in, in Luke 16, it's talking about a rich man and Lazarus. Now, I want to say this right now. Rich people don't go to hell. People who don't take Jesus as their Savior go to hell. If you're rich, you have every right to go to heaven, whether you're rich or you're poor. Amen? Let's settle that right now. So Luke 16 talks about the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man had, had basically lived a life of self. He didn't care about anybody else. It was all about him. But what the Bible says, if you read it, it says he was conscious in hell. Conscious enough to talk to Lazarus and say, hey, just one drop, just one drop of my tongue to, to relieve his suffering. And then the next thing it says is that he was conscious and he started saying, I don't want my family here. And he's saying, do something. Tell them. You know who was telling the story? Jesus. He was going to die. He was going to resurrect, and he was going to tell them. And they still wouldn't believe. And what did Jesus say? You have the law, the law and the prophets. You have Moses. And if they don't believe that, they won't believe. Have we changed? And so there is the great dilemma how do we get people to wake up to the reality that life is short? It's a vapor. It's not just about when we're in the moment and the boss is, is coming down on us and, and I've got financial issues and, and, and my body has just been ransacked with cancer and, and I'm, everything's in the immediate. How do I possibly begin to focus on Ionion, eternal? How do I begin to focus on Jesus? How do, I, how do I do that? We talked about our eyes on Jesus. When Peter got out of the boat, his eyes were on the wind and the waves. When he started to sink, but when his eyes fixed on Jesus, he got where he needed to go. And so, in the midst of your stuff, in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of that, we, we tend to, as human beings, we focus on the immediate. We forget that we have an eternal destiny. And even more importantly, we forget about others and their destiny. So can I just be frank? This is a tough message to preach. It is not seeker-friendly. But I want people to know how much, A, that you love them, because we have a great church, and how much we need to get honest about what on earth we're living for. I've seen two types. So spiritually minded, they're no earthly good, and so carnally minded that they're no spiritually good. Two extremes. 
I've seen preachers for years. When I grew up, it was hellfire, damnation, brimstone. Every sermon was sinners in the hands of an unrelenting, uncompassionate, angry, disgusted God. But that's not the Bible. The Bible says that love and his compassion drew Jesus. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. So we have these extremes. We have a church that has so marginalized hell that they don't want to preach it. But we, but, so there was pushback against the hellfire and brimstone generation. And now we've moved to, shh, that might offend someone. I will tell you, Jesus Christ offended a lot of people. Read the scripture. Jesus offended. Does, he would even ask them, does this offend you? In fact, man, he had crowds. I mean, they were all over him. I mean, healing, everybody touched healings, m- deliverances, miracles. And then he comes up with, you got to eat my flesh and, you know, drink my blood. And they're all going, what? Consultants of the church would not like that. Jesus, you're going to empty them out. But what he realized is, is that part of his job was to express the reality of our condition so that they would see they needed the doctor. We need to see our condition for what it is. Now the good news, and I'm getting there, is if you have Jesus Christ, you are no longer the tail, you are the head. And you have unlimited power at your disposal. You have a a Savior that cares deeply and compassionately, compassionately for you. So... We talked about rich man and Lazarus, and there's a movement to say to hell with hell. Now, I want to put up Ionion, and I want to put up, I have two parts to this word. There's a a word, I want to put eternal life up there. We have a couple slides that I created. Now, here's what I want to do with this. I'm going to show you about four or five verses. I'm going to go through them quickly, and I want you to focus on the word Ionion. Uh, Each time you see eternal, you're going to see that Ionion there. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to show you In context of the Greek word, and what I'm doing is systematically proving the doctrine of hell. Can we understand? Do you understand that? I want to show you why there's a physical reality. Because I don't want you going out there and someone saying, ah, that's, there's nothing, there's no truth to that. Because if we discard that doctrine, it basically says, then then why did Jesus die? We can't do that. So I want to systematically show that. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal Ionian life. Now, there is a Greek word, or I should say that one of the translations of Ionian, it says eternal forever, everlasting, true. But in certain contexts, in certain contexts, it can mean a, mean a finite period of time. So a time that does end, perhaps an age, but it's over a vast experience. That's one of the, the, the slight interpretations. So what these universalists have done has said, well, because of that, we're going to substitute where it says eternal life. We're going to substitute for Ionion, and we're going to put this, we're going to say uh, a punishing end of the age, okay, for hell. Are you guys understanding this? They're going to substitute that word. So let me, let me go through the scriptures here that talk about eternity. And I want you to tell me if you don't think Jesus isn't talking about eternal life, not an age that ends. So John 10, 8 says, John 10, 28 says, I'll give eternal Ionian life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Now I read, does it say never perish? So would you say that Ionian in that context means eternal never ending, Correct. 
All right, I'm going to put the universalists in a box here. All right, Romans 2, 7. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. I just read immortality, correct? So in the context, it can't mean an age that ends. It has to mean eternal. All right, 1 John 1, 2. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal Ionian life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Because the Father is eternal, it has to mean eternal, not an age that ends. All right, now, here's the key part. Let's talk about where Jesus talks about and the Bible talks about eternal death. Eternal death, eternal hell, eternal punishment. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will also say to those on his left, this is Jesus, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal aeonian fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, some of the translations will say the word Gehenna. Gehenna was a place outside of the city of Jerusalem where they had fires burning. There's lots of fires. It never ended. It smelled, it was awful, and it was outside the gates of Jerusalem. So the picture that Jesus is trying to portray here is there's this awful place just like Gehenna. It's not talking about a, uh, uh, a fictitious place. When, when Jesus says Gehenna, he means hell. Are you understanding this? Okay, so Matthew 18.8. I'm going I'm to read a couple more and I'm going to get to the key linchpin of the argument. Matthew 18.8. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. Better for you to enter life crippled or lame than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the eternal Ionian fire. 2 Thessalonians 1.9. And these will pay the penalty of eternal Ionian death away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now here's the one that puts them all in a box. The very next verse. This is one I want you to camp on. Matthew 25, 46. And this is Jesus talking. And these will go away into eternal Ionian punishment, but the righteous into eternal Ionian life. Do you see the words there in the context? It says Ionian life and Ionian death, Ionian punishment. You can't systematically say hell is going to be a finite period of age. And that sentence and say that eternal life is eternal. Are you guys getting the, the, the way Jesus is preaching this? You can't selectively say it's going to end here and it's just going to be a time of correction like purgatory, which is a religious cow I'm going to hit next. You guys are not responding better than I'm preaching. Uh, Ionian life, okay? Ionian punishment. What it says right there, that verse right there solidifies all the other eight. It brings them all together and says... Wait a minute, Jesus is saying eternal fire and eternal life. There is a choice there. We can't selectively do away with one and keep the other because it feels good and it preaches good. Now, purgatory. Uh, let's just think about this. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I know that many of you come from uh, Catholic backgrounds and we have many good brothers and sisters in Christ, many people who love Jesus uh, that are Catholic, okay? I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to destroy the Catholic faith, okay? I'm not trying to do that here. What I'm trying to address is this notion of purgatory. And I'm going to ask you one simple question. If you could pray in the dead by your works, what does that say about Jesus' finished work on the cross? Why did Jesus even need to die? If it's all about our works and how we could pray that person in or do a particular rite... I mean, we just need to think, right? I mean, 
Now, I'm saying this in love. I'm not doing this to be mean. I'm just saying that if we could do that, if we had the power to do that, why would Jesus need to die? The finished work of the cross is what buys back. Now, here's the, here's the thing I hear too. And this is a question. There's three of them that are big when it comes to this notion. Uh, why would a loving God send billions and billions of people to hell? Why would a loving God send billions of pe- billions of people to hell? I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I just want you to camp on that question. Just hold that thought because I want to hit on heaven real quick. Because, again, the statistics say that most of you think you're going to go to heaven and heaven's going to be glorious and I'm going to talk about heaven for just a second. But I want you to re- realize that the issue that people have is with this doctrine of hell. So it's a point of emphasis in this message. And by the way, if, so one of the things I'm going to ask you to do at the end of this sermon, if you, um, it's going to be a, a gut check time for you, but if you have friends that need to hear this message, podcast link, just a thought. 1 Corinthians 2.9, heaven is real. Here's what the scripture says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No, I has seen. I mean, I want you to picture a visualization of your best day. You're on the golf course. I went fishing yesterday, caught a little 14-incher walleye. Dan didn't catch any. Sorry, Dan. Uh, imagine catching the biggest fish, best golf swing. I mean, now that's just in the natural. I mean, can you imagine Jesus says, hey, we're going to teleport to the outer rim today. We're just going to see. I'm just going to. He speaks and something happens. I mean, this is cool. And, and I thought, you know, the enemy's done a, a sell job on people too. What, what, what he's sold heaven as for many people is everybody just sits down and it's this morning, noon, and night. He portrays it as boring. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be your best day on steroids to the infinite degree. It's going to be awesome. And by the way, Next week's message on the kingdom is about how you can live kingdom life here and now. So, by the way, that's one you want to come to, too. You say, what do you mean? Well, Jesus said to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That means that you can live a victorious life here now. We'll talk about that next week. But heaven's going to be awesome. Here's what the Bible says. Let's put those on the slide. Just some basic facts to tell you about heaven. Here's what the Bible says. It says it's a physical place. And I also, and I also gave you scriptural reference, John 14, 1. It says in the Bible, we're going to have a new name. Some of you who have been grieving your name since birth, if you were named Lucifer, I'm sorry. I know you have issues, but no. Uh, we'll have a new name filled with joy and eternal pleasure, it says in Psalms. Jesus creates a new heaven and a new earth. We will have rewards. We will have rewards. Well done, good and faithful servants for ushering in the kingdom. We will have rewards. We will reign with the Lord. Man, we're going to rule and reign. Who wants Hawaii? (laughs) I'll take Door County. You can have Hawaii, okay? We're going to rule and reign with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. No more tears, no more sufferings. Now, here's the enemy lies. Here's the enemy lies. Heaven can wait. What the enemy is so good at doing, for pastors included, is saying, is to get you so fixated on the issues of today. Heaven can wait. Build your kingdom here. Heaven can wait. You need to improve your golf game, Ryan. Heaven can wait. 
I'm tired, heaven can wait. Are you guys tracking? Now, all of us fall victim to this little thing. It's subtle, it's egregious, and occasionally, that's not to say that, as McDonald's would say, you deserve a break today. We, we all deserve a break from time to time, but I'm talking about where our life is built on having a break today. We, we need to get Ionian life, eternal life, into our minds. Here's what the Bible also says. It says in Psalm uh, 84.10, it says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I rest my case on that one. Most people are going there. That's the other enemy lie. Most people are going there. I mean, we've, we just did the survey. I told you the empirical data. Now here's what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew 7, verse 13 says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gates wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You know, that scares me. You know, that question is, I think back certain decisions in my life. And I think back when Pastor Arnie and, and, and Jan asked us about this church and becoming, I mean, I had a lot of questions. And, and I'm going to tell you, my flesh, I could see kind of the end game. I could see what I was going to face. In fact, I knew there was going to come a point. I had to preach on hell and I had to preach on some tough stuff. I mean, I know that I had to take certain stands and you were not always going to be liked. And, and I thought, Lord, do I really want to sign up for this? But Jesus, and says in the Bible, was moved with compassion. And when my wife and I envisioned this church, that's what we saw, moved with compassion for people. It's why we do what we do. I don't always get it right. I will tell you that I have made mistakes. I will continue to make some mistakes, hopefully less than I did yesterday. But when I read that verse, Jesus said it. Few. Now, few, does it mean billions? I don't know. I know that there's a story of a guy that has a starfish, and, and that starfish is, is, in the, is, in the, is in the ocean, and they're all washed ashore, and one, one starfish, he goes, I can't, how can I save all of them? But he'll go after that one. You have a mission from God to go after the one. There are people in your life Love them, be there for them, open doors for them. But if they're swimming down the waterfall and they don't want to hear what you have to say, love them in and pray behind their back, unceasing, unwavering. Do everything you can to set them up and love them up as best you can because you know where that waterfall is headed. The big questions, why would a loving God send billions of good people to hell? The truth is, right now, God sends no one to hell. We choose hell. To say that we ever would grieves my heart. To say that God would ever... God's not schizophrenic, folks. He didn't die on the cross so that he could have the pleasure of putting people in everlasting torment, especially when he disarmed the principalities and powers on the cross so that we could have that life. It makes no sense. He did it out of love. He did it out of love. 
Second one, why would a loving God allow people who've never heard of Jesus to go to hell? Great question. Great question. And I look at Cornelius in the Bible. Ever heard of Cornelius? Had a vision. If God can reach Cornelius through a vision, do you think he can reach a Muslim through a vision? And guess what? He has. People uh, in Muslim countries are hearing about it where the gospel's never been preached. Jesus talks through visions, dreams, internet, web, mouthpiece, and the Bible. By the way, he'll speak through healings and miracles. Hello. Oh, and he could speak at Life Church too, through that pastor who's really tough on the people at hell, on hell. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to ask and ask you to agree with me that it, this message, because I hate preaching it so much, I pray that God opens doors to the churches that have 10, 15,000 people just on loan. And let me go in there and shake the hell out of that church. Let me, let me, let me just go in there. Just give me one shot. Let me, let me love them up. And then let me tell them about the waterfall. <laughs> Amen. Maybe one day that'll happen. Guys, I don't, I don't hate people. I love people. I don't want them to go to hell. I'm passionate about that. You know why? Because I was an ex-drunk. I was in hell here, and I can't imagine what it would be like there. Thank you, Jesus. God would never send people to hell. They choose another path. Why would a just God... Here's another one. Why would a just God allow criminals in heaven? Anybody heard of the son of Sam? David Berkowitz? Received Christ as a savior. How does that make you feel? Because he slaughtered people. How does that make you feel in here? Think about it. Now think about this. What if he took your daughter? How would that make you feel? How can a just God give this guy a pass when I've lived a good life? You know? How can... So we want justice, but... Then we have to look inward. If I point that finger, I got three coming back. So now, if, if I want justice, but then what about grace? <laughs> what about mercy? The Bible says that God's grace trumps even his justice. Because why? He created the cross to die for us, and he took everything on the cross for us, all of our privileges, and the right to be with him forever hell isn't just a place of flames it is eternal separation from the glory and majesty of jesus glory and majesty glory to god the justice grace paradox on the one hand i want justice god demands it on the other hand i need grace god wills it how do you satisfy that he did no one he would never send anyone to hell we choose hell what do I want you to know? What do I want you to do? Here's my personal challenge. Those cards that you had there, I want you to be spirit-led. I want to say, say spirit-led. I want you to be spirit-led to take that card. And in the next two weeks before Easter, the next two weeks, I want you to ask God, I want you to ask God a simple question and ask him this one. Say, Lord, who is it that I could give that to in a chance encounter, a Holy Spirit moment? Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somebody. I was in Walgreens this morning, and I was filling out some stuff, and, and, and she said something about uh, 
a wedding and how something to the effect that it, it made it sound like that she had never been married. And I was so busy. Now, I'm, can I be real? I was so busy trying to fill out this stuff, I missed it. And I walked out and I said, that was an opportunity. Now, I'm not putting guilt trips on myself, but you understand what I'm talking about? Missed opportunities. Not that you conjure up and make it happen, but when the Lord puts someone in your path, do you care enough to put the flesh down and say, yeah, I'm gonna, I care enough about this person to share with them whatever God puts in my heart? Not always do I encounter someone, do I go straight to the salvation message. In fact, rare. And if you notice Jesus, when he approached people who were sinners, he had nice approaches. He was interesting. Let's be interesting people and be aware of what God wants to do in your life. And here's the cool part. If you've ever led anyone to Jesus in a real and tangible way and see the life change that occurs, it changes you. They know how good Jesus is. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about that. And on Easter Sunday, bring them. If it's just a, if it's a, and if it's, if it's, it's just a card, hand it to that person and say, hey, this is my church. I may never see you again, but be open to that. Would you just be open to that? Let's close our heads, close our eyes. <laughs> Sometimes you do close your heads. I don't want to hear what he has to say. No, let's, uh, let's close our eyes. I just want to take this opportunity. I've, I've shared some of the realities of heaven and hell, that you're an eternal being. Jesus was moved with compassion. I mean, it's what I do. You know, I, I don't want to see... I, I, Lord... I want people to win. I can't fix them. I can't, I can't get them off that boat. They have to do it. And some of them are swimming to shore. They're on their way. Praise God, they made a decision. They got off the boat and they're, they're swimming to you and, and you're gonna pick them up just like you did with Peter. They're gonna start walking on water. But Lord, I'm asking for, I'm asking for a revolution of hearts that burn with a cause. And I, I think you got to start with me. I, Lord, I, I confess sometimes I get so busy trying to build a church, I forget about what I'm on here for. And that's to build people and to bring them into your eternal presence and to lead them there. And I ask your forgiveness for sometimes getting so busy that I miss those next divine appointments. So Lord, I covenant with you personally that I will, within the next two weeks, invite someone randomly. You would say, well, pastor, you're a pastor. You know what? I don't always do that. I should. I can't expect our people to do what I'm not willing to do. So I want to say, Lord, I've missed that. But I'm asking you to just work on the hearts here and to not consider it church as usual, but that there will be a revolution here in their hearts and a passion renewed flame to rescue people from the eternal flame and to bring them into the awesome presence of our of our king so with heads bowed eyes closed you say ryan how do i get there how do i how do i know for sure that i'm on the right path that i'm not on the waterfall the bible says it's pretty clear it says in the word when you confess jesus as your lord savior 
master. The thief on the cross proved that. He didn't have time to get baptized. He just said, Lord, remember me in paradise. And Jesus, or he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus did and said, you'll be with me in paradise. It was one heartfelt change. It was one moment straight from the heart. He didn't have time to sound religious. He didn't even have time to, to do an altar call. It was just, I'm on the cross and I need you, Jesus. And Jesus showed up. You say, well, Ryan, I'm not perfect. Great, none of us are. You say, well, Ryan... I've done this prayer before, and it didn't really help. Great, do it again. This time, mean it. This time, trust Jesus and allow the power of God to hit you and allow the love and the grace of Jesus to empower you. You say, well, Ryan, I, I've backslid. I've slid some more, and I've backslid some more, and I, I just I don't know what to do. Great, you're in a good place. Let Jesus help you. Now, if you say, Ryan, I need Jesus as my Savior right now, that's what we're here for. And instead of raising your hand, I want you to stand up right now in your seat if you don't know. Wow, thank you. Hallelujah. For you, it was worth it. Praise God. Anyone else? Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can sit now. Let's pray a prayer here. Now, when we pray this prayer... It can't be rote. It can't be religious. It needs to just be heartfelt. And when we go to the Lord, we're, we're lifting him up and we're, we're honoring the name of Jesus. And we're on a new journey. And yeah, there'll be hiccups, but Jesus will be there to help you through the storm. So just repeat this prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross who paid a terrible price for my sin. Thank you for your love that keeps me and sustains me, forgiving all my sins and all means all. I thank you for forgiveness and now I forgive myself. I release myself from condemnation I receive, Holy Spirit, your correction and your loving conviction. I live for you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that is the conclusion of this message. Next week, next week is going to be on the kingdom. And a lot of people have not heard what the kingdom really is. So I want to do my best next week to establish what kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? What was Jesus saying? As he led in the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and as he prepared towards the sacrifice for Easter. Bring your friends. Would you do that? Invite those people. Be aware. Be aware of those opportunities. God bless you. And have a great week. It's going to be a great week this week. I'm, let, me, let me say one last prayer over you. Father, I just ask that you bless them. Bless their finances. Bless their, 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 their work. God, give them favor. I just call forward your grace over them. Uh, unforgiveness is, is broken here. We thank you, Lord, that we're taking away fear here. We thank you, God, that you are operating on our behalf and that this week will be an incredible testimonial. I thank you that you've already moved in people's finances. I'm hearing about it. 
I thank you that there has been some healings, not enough for my taste, but I'm believing for more, God. I'm expectant for you. I thank you, God, that these are world changers and the same spirit that lives in the pastor lives in them because there is one God and there is our precious Savior, Jesus, you, Father, and the Holy Spirit. We ask that you move mightily on behalf of them this week. Amen.